With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what? they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus before we begin if you like what you hear on mile high report radio podcast don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcasts and Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Well, Ian, it's happening. It's finally happening. As we sit here, as we live and breathe, it is time for the Lloyd Cushenberry era to begin. Uh, We've been pushing for this for a while, uh, and he has finally stepped in and started taking what you could call a majority of the first-team reps uh, on the Denver Broncos offensive line at center. And uh, I I don't know, man. I I think it's because of us. I think we deserve all the credit here. I think so too. I think we're the, we we gave him inspiration. We fed him the motivation to become the starting center and take the reps from Austin Schlotman and Patrick Morris. So I totally agree with that. But it, it on a serious note, it is it is nice to see Cushenberry start to get the reps, and it's been that case on Monday and Tuesday as we record this. The Broncos finished up their uh, padded practice on Tuesday, and he did take the majority of the reps. And uh, Vic Fangio was asked on their Zoom media conferences after practice 
on if Lloyd Cushenberry is nudging himself into some separation in the center competition. Fangio said, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but we are giving him more snaps this week with the ones. That was the plan all the way to give those guys kind of equal opportunities as much as we could with the ones. We're always changing up who's in there. Like I said, he's got the opportunity, the license and the permit to go with the job, but he has to do it on the practice field. And based on the fact that he is getting it, I would say that he's responding because most of what I saw from people who were on the bump, which is awkward enough that it's not fans, but the media on the bump on the west side of the facility watching the practice is that he was really, really good uh, for the Tuesday practice. Yeah, I, I think that it's a, a good thing to to note that he's he is still young. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. But I, I think that what you're starting to see there with that is – just a, a basic understanding that while yes, you want, you know, you want Schlotman and you want Morris to get some reps and you want them to be prepared. Uh, they're clearly going to be the backups in this. I, I don't think I don't have in my mind, I don't see a scenario where the Denver Broncos go to the, into the start of the season and Lloyd Cushenberry hasn't essentially worked his way into being the starting center uh, unless for whatever reason, Vic Fangio falls into that old school line of thought where you want a, what you would call a, an experienced offensive lineman uh, running the running the point, right, being the center. And I kind of feel like if that was the case, and, and you can sort of correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, but I feel like if the case was that they wanted somebody who was going to be in charge of that offensive line as a veteran and be able to take control, that you would go with a Graham Glasgow there. Graham Glasgow would be uh, a maybe a better choice at center, or even Dalton Reisner. Am I, am I wrong when I say Dalton Reisner played center at at Kansas uh, at times as well? I, I'm not. I might be wrong on that. I get confused. Did he play tackle or did he play center? I know it's one of those things. Tackle. Right. Okay. So I guess it, that wouldn't be the way to go. But I, if Graham Glasgow is, if that's the idea, if your thought is, well, we need somebody with experience at center. Well, then you put Graham Glasgow there and you stick Lloyd Cushenberry next to him and you let him get his experience that way. That doesn't seem to be the case to me. It seems to be to me that you're looking at Schlotman and you're looking at Morris as, okay, who's Cushenberry's backup? Who's the guy we can plug in if something goes wrong? Who's the guy that we can plug in if he doesn't pan out? And you do that for a few days. You let Cushenberry get his feet wet. You let him get accustomed to being on an NFL practice you know, field and, and being out with the ones eventually – and then you kind of plug him in there, and he's going to eventually just sort of be the guy, right? You know how sometimes guys are just, that's the guy? Like, Dalton Reisner is the guy. You know he's going to be where he's going to be. That's not an issue. I think that's what you'll see with with Lloyd Cushenberry as well. And so there's really no reason to be concerned about it. Maybe we overreacted a little, right, at the start. What is going on? Well, maybe they, you know, just wanted to ease him in. We needed to calm down a little. No, because that's the reason they did it. <laughs> no, we what's were right. Also, what's also, I, I think, most indicative about why they liked Lloyd Cushenberry ties into another question that Fangio was asked on Tuesday, and this is his answer. The question was, how has Cushenberry done in the reps with the ones this week, and what can he do to improve? Fangio said he's done fine. Monday's practice was a shells practice, so it was a little harder to decipher. I haven't seen today's practice on tape, but I think he shows progress and hope all the time, even when he has bad plays or negative plays. I think they're fixable versus, well, this guy just can't do it. Or we're hoping 
into the wind here. I think he'll eventually be able to to do what we want him to do. It's just whether he can do it better than Pat or Austin at this point. And I I think that ties in to what you said that he eventually he will. And I think it will by the time they start the season against the Tennessee Titans in the second half of that Monday night football doubleheader. Yeah, I, I I have no doubt about that. And the the hard part about this, and this is where uh, in a in an abnormal season like this, it's something that we would see uh, we would see that progression on the field, right? We would see that play out in one of the preseason games, and you know you have four, you would have had four of them uh, or two of them, depending on how you wanted to do it, and you would have eventually seen him kind of morph into that on the field. You know, on which whichever station carries the who, who carries the preseason games again? Is it Fox still uh, over over in Denver? Whoever's, nope, KUSA, KUSA, Channel Nine, whatever. You know, I got there eventually, so you would have seen it happen. It just would have been something you could have watched. As a as of right now, as fans, we don't get to see it happen on the field because we can't go to training camp and we can't watch them play preseason games because they're not playing preseason games and they're not they're not going. Uh, you know, they're not going to let us into training camp and that, that's okay. Right. We're okay with that, but it is part of the, just sort of the, the process of being a fan where we're not used to having to go through this in this particular way. The way we would normally go through it is by watching him take over in games, not on the practice field that we can't watch. I think the other issue that's starting to pop up, since the start of training camp, since they came back at the end of July and early August, is now you're starting to see a bunch of injuries start to pile up. And there's only been one severe injury at this point. Justin Strenad has an uh, an injured wrist. He was put on IR on Monday, so he's going to be out for the season. That's disappointing because he was actually playing pretty well for a rookie. Um, So uh, not to be a pun, but it's a tough break. Oh, yeah. For him and the Broncos. <laughs> but you're starting to see, and I, I like I said, I don't think it's a surprise because when you go from zero to 100, even if, as the Broncos have done, they're, they're acclimating them to get back into the mold. But when you go from zero to 100, you're going to start to have some of these soft tissue issues, and that's what you're you're seeing today. On Tuesday... K.J. Hamler was out with a hamstring. Juwan Winfrey out with a groin. Michael Ojemudier out with a quad. Elijah Holder, soft tissue. Devontae Bosby, soft tissue. Todd Davis, calf. Tim Patrick, soft tissue. Austin Fort, knee. Purcell, calf. Most of those are all muscle-related injuries. Yeah, it, it, the thing that we – it's funny because we talked about, and I remember having this conversation um, when we – you know, we're back sort of in the super super quarantine when everyone was really stuck at home. And I remember sort of looking in on how the Broncos were going about uh, giving their players specific exercises they could do, specific training they could do at home that would give them the opportunity to stay fit, stay in shape, and stay prepared. But – what this really goes to show you and what it really proves, I don't think it proves that they weren't working. I think it proves that more than anything, it is really difficult to just stay in 
in game shape. It just is not. There is nothing that you can do that mimics actual practice and gameplay other than actual practice and gameplay. And when you are unable to really get out and do some of those things, then when you do finally get on the field, those injuries happen. And you see it across the board in all sports. I mean, it, 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 you and I are Yankee fans. I know that drives some people crazy. But look at what what's going on with the Yankees. Again, I mean, they, it's the same situation that they're having with lots of soft tissue injuries and problems with guys who, like you said, are going from 0 to 100 and having these problems. So it, it isn't a surprise that guys are getting injured. But it is frustrating. It's frustrating that it continues to happen. And it, it's going to hamper a little bit the, I guess, what you could call the development of some of these younger players. And like you said, the Sternod injury, that is that one's a really, really uh, a big one to me because I do think he was going to be somebody who contributed on defense in some way. And that one, you, that you chuck that up to, that's not that's not soft tissue. That's that's bone. That's a break. That's that's a problem that that you know. There's nothing you can do about that. But when you've got a guy like KJ Hamler, for example, who is a burner, who is somebody who just uh, is super fast and things like that, you know, hurting your hamstring, having a, having a problem with your hamstring is something that's going to be a problem for him. That's going to be something that he has to overcome. And and it just goes straight down the list there with that. All those, you know, soft tissue injuries are just going to be things that nag guys. And that's the other problem with it. When you have a soft tissue injury, it doesn't just heal. Like a bone just heals. Uh, I know it takes a little while, but bones just heal. And then they're they're somewhat fixed. Yes, are they more susceptible to break? Sure, but they heal. Soft tissue injury is one that, that sort of, tends to kind of continue to be a, an, uh, a problem. I'm trying really hard not to rhyme tissue and issue here. That <laughs> tends to be a problem throughout the season. And so that's what you're really going to have to pay attention to. Yeah, they're not practicing right now. Yeah, they're on, you know, they're 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 on a list of guys with soft tissue injuries. But also, how's that going to affect them week 4, week 5, week 8, week 12? You know, I mean, think about how that's going to sort of stay with some of these guys as the season progresses, if they can't get over them before the season starts. And I think that's why you're seeing them shut down now, especially KJ Hamler, because there's that joke where a hamstring or a groin injury stays around like luggage. No matter how hard you get, you, no matter how hard you try to fight it, you can't shake it unless you go to the airport. That's the only way you can lose your luggage apparently. But with hamstring and, and groin issues, you don't want them to be an issue because that's what you talked about. They, it just, it can flare up at any moment. So we don't know how severe Hamler's hamstring issue issue is at this point. My hope is that it's really limited and they're just being super cautious because they know that. And with a speed guy, the last thing you want is to have a hamstring injury. That That's like being a pitcher and you're having shoulder or elbow issues. Um, so my, that, that, that really is my hope because we don't really know what the extent or severity is of Hamler's hamstring injury is. So that would be my hope that they're just being incredibly cautious because he is on the side working with some of the other injured players. And Troy Rink actually had a tweet today that he was out on the sideline taking notes. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been following the Broncos and training camp as a media person since 2004, I have not heard of a guy taking notes 
And if it has, it, it's probably on one hand the guys that I would be able to come up with who have done that. That's impressive to just – you're not just on the side working to try to get back. You're not you're, – you're watching it, taking notes. Yeah, I, I think that that is one of those things where you, you can tell there's a – I know we, I almost feel like I don't want to say this because I feel like we say it every off season. We say it every training camp, but I, for whatever reason, I do feel like it makes a little bit more of an impact this year than, than it has the last few years. You can tell there's a difference with the way that this team is approaching the 2020 season. And not just because of the, you know, coronavirus and the way that they're having to go through some of those things. I'm talking about the way they approach the game of football and the way that they, are are approaching practice and the way that they are looking at how they can constantly get better and what ways can they constantly get better. So when you talk about a guy like KJ Hamler, who is on the sidelines because of a soft tissue injury to his hamstring, to note that not only is he on the sideline working to try and get healthy, but he's also paying attention to what's going on in practice and taking notes so that he can use those notes to be ready when he is available to get out on the field that is a, a much different uh, approach. And and you're right. I don't think I have ever seen a report. And, and I've been following the Broncos as a fan since I was a little kid. And since we used to go, remember, as kids, we'd go sit on the hill at UNC and watch training camp in Greeley, Colorado. That was something that we used to do. I don't ever remember anybody taking notes. I, I, that's not something I ever saw. So it, it isn't something that I think is normal. And I think that it shows a commitment from some of these young guys, right? The, the Jerry Judys of the world, for example, who just are willing to put in an, an, just a ridiculous amount of effort to get better at their craft. Guys that are like KJ Hammer are willing to sit down and, and actually watch what's happening on the field and take notes and get that information processed. That's, that's different. That's a, that's a different style. That's a different setup. And it's one that's going to make this team better. And I'm I'm okay with my excitement. I know that I, I you know I, I get nervous about it because it's like well we are all we're always excited. We're I'm excited every year. I haven't gone into a season very it's very rare that I've gone into a season and like wow God they suck this is terrible. Maybe the second Vance Joseph year that that might be the only one I can really think of or the uh, maybe the second uh, Mc McDaniel's yeah maybe I don't know. Not this year. This is this is different. This is a different feeling, and I'm okay with it. Like I've I've sort of accepted it. I'm good with it right now. I know we hadn't touched on this before we started recording when we were doing our our rundown, but to give listeners an idea of the type of player Jerry Judy is, veterans are coming to him on how to run routes and how to be a receiver. Emmanuel Sanders, former Broncos receiver, traded the San Francisco 49ers, now in New Orleans, came to Jerry Judy on how to run routes. I I, I mean, you can be excited about Jerry frickin' Judy. Thank you. I, mean, I appreciate that. Very, very rarely will I throw in the freaking for a player because that's reserved for Peyton frickin' Manning. Jerry Judy is now on that list because when you have veteran receivers coming to you as a rookie who has never played a down of professional football, 
and they're asking you for advice. I think the Broncos got a pretty good draft pick. Yeah, this one this one feels pretty good. Nobody's calling Henry Ruggs asking him how to run routes, right? I haven't seen C.D. Lamb pop up in that particular conversation either. So of the top three wide receivers in the draft, uh, I think I think Denver got the got the one that that is going to have the biggest impact career wise, right? Maybe not next year. I don't know. Maybe maybe not this year, but maybe maybe moving down the line, uh, I think he's going to have the better career of the three, which is. Fine with I'm fine with that, right? That's that's a win for the Denver Broncos, and that's a win for us. So, yeah, it, it's funny because I saw that tweet about Emmanuel Sanders wanting to work with Jerry Judy, and I thought, well, of course you want to work, you want to work with the young kids, you want to help him out. And then as you get to the end of the tweet, because he wanted to learn from Judy, and you go, oh, oh, we won. Okay, we won that one. That's a point to us over here on the orange and blue side. I'll take that. I, I'm very very pleased. Very very pleased. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it does also point to another thing that we didn't talk about in our little pre-show fist fight, and that's the fact that John Elway seems to have kind of figured out some type of formula for the draft. Like things are things are good. Things are things are okay right now. I'm not too disappointed in in very many things. But I'll give you another example. We were disappointed that Sternod goes out because I think we saw that he was going to have an impact in some way. Well, that's a pretty late round pick that John Elway was able to grab and bring in that you knew was going to be effective in some way on the team. That makes you feel good. It feels like John Elway and Vic Fangio and their and their staff have figured out a, a, at least a small bit of a formula that's helping them pick players that are going to be impact players in the NFL. I think it goes back to not overthinking it. I because I think there there comes a tendency where you overthink it. Can they play football? Have they shown enough? Can they show you that they will? And I, I don't mean to dumb down the draft, but that's basically what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to any draft at any level, whether it's Little League Baseball, junior hockey, peewee football, or up to the NFL, NHL, or Major League Baseball. Can they play the game? Have they showed you enough? Have they showed? Have they shown you that they can do it? That they have it within them to bring it out. I, I think that's really what it comes down to. And I think you you saw that in play with Garrett Bowles. They overthought it. They had the ability to get the guy who was proven in Ryan Ramchek. They decided to go with the project in Garrett Bowles. And I think it was that suffering. moment. And you can even go back to Paxton Lynch and. This is, I mean, to hear KJ Hamler on the sideline taking notes, and then you think of Paxton Lynch playing Fortnite. I mean that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I think that I, I think those two draft picks are some of the examples of how they may have overthought it, and they decided they found okay. What have what can we do differently? And you're seeing the result of that, especially the last two drafts. You could probably go three. But to get Dalton Reisner, to get Jerry Judy, to get Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch. And Andrew Locke. Thank you. It's okay. It's okay. We fixed it. Noah Fant. Put, throw Noah Fant in there. Yeah, Noah Fant. Absolutely you know what, Noah Fant. You know what's funny about all of this? As we talk about the Denver Broncos, and, and I hear a tangent a little bit. Noah Fant is a guy who keeps getting lost in the shuffle in the conversation. 
as a as a rookie, he was one of the top ten tight ends in the NFL last year, and we're not really talking about him. We're we're talking about a lot of other players, and and Noah Fant is really on the periphery of all that. We're we're even breaking up Albert Akwegbunam a lot more than we're bringing up Noah Fant. And we could go easy and just say the easy Noah Fant name, but we keep going with Akwegbunam because he's part of this rookie class that we think is going to be really good. But Noah Fant is a talent that if we're overlooking Noah Fant, how many people who are not fans of the Broncos, who don't know very much about him, who are opponents that are maybe watching tape and aren't paying attention, how many of them are going to overlook Noah Fant? And how many opportunities is he going to have to be successful in this offense when you've got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and, I mean, and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. And I mean, I know we're, we're, we're not really talking about it, but there's another one for you that, Again, that's just another draft pick. That's a guy who can. That's a guy who will. And I, I think that that's, that just shows that the Broncos are doing something right in the draft. I'll throw out another name that's been overlooked, at least by us. And I would say most of the local media to an extent, and even the national media when they talk about this offense, Tim Patrick. Yeah. He has apparently flashed at camp, been really, really good. When, when we would go through and list off all the weapons that Drew Locke had, Tim Patrick to, Almost, yeah, never. was never included. And that's on us because when he, when he has been on the field, he's played pretty well. Yeah, so I think that's, a, that's another one to add to the list. And it just adds to you can't cover all of them. Yeah, who are you going to leave open? What are you going to do? Or are you just going to not put anybody in the box and cover everyone and let everything underneath? Ha- I mean, see, it's that excitement thing. I get, I start to get excited and then I try and pull it back and I almost can't rein it in because I'm so excited about the the potential of this team. And potential is a bad word sometimes because if you don't live up to it, then it means you failed. But this team has a lot of potential on offense and I'm very excited about where they could go. Not just in 2020, I'm looking – all the way to 2021 and 2022 and, and so on and so on. So uh, there is there is a future here in Denver with these Denver Broncos and these young kids that are that are hopefully going to make things exciting again for the offense because it's been it's been just an awful desert of hopelessness over the course of the last five seasons. My hope is that since Pat Shermer is from the Andy Reid coaching tree and he he knows what Andy Reid has done and can do. That he has watched what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have done the last couple of seasons and and asked himself, okay, what have they done that we can now bring into Denver? That's what I'm hoping, that they, that they have seen what the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes have been able to do and how can they implement it, build off of it, morph it into their own thing, and have that kind of offense? Because that's how you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You cannot rely on your defense to shut these guys down. Even Von Miller has said that. When he's asked, how do you beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, outscore them. That's the only way you can do it. Because if you do that and you have an offense that can keep up with them, then you have the defense's ability to make a play that can flip the game. You're not relying on Von Miller, Drill Casey, and Bradley Chubb 
to get that strip sack, that huge play, that interception from A.J. Boyer or Bryce Callahan or Justin Simmons to flip the game when it really isn't going to matter because the offense can't keep up. So that's what my hope is, is that Pat Shermer has been able to do that. Yeah. I, you know, and the other thing, I, as you're talking about that, the, the game that pops into my head is that Chiefs-Rams game a few years ago when they scored like a 1,000 points in the game. It was just an insane track meet. And if you can keep up with them offensively, and that Rams team that year had the offense to do that, then you have a chance. But if you can't keep up with them offensively at all, then it doesn't matter how good your defense is because that's how good the Chiefs' offense is. And the other thing I want to say, uh, you know that Andy Reid has done a good job in Kansas City when Ian does not uh, take an opportunity to make fun of Andy Reid or to say terrible things about Andy Reid. Like the sh- there's a, there's been a shift there because what can what can you say? I mean, he's they've got they've gotten the job done as much as we hate it. It's hard to yeah that there's been a shift there. You did that on purpose I because did. you know that I cannot go after Andy Reid and the Chiefs anymore. I know. So I'm I have sorry. to go after that douche canoe, Ryan Pace. There it is. You there knew it, is. it. You knew that. I just wanted to make sure we got it in today. I thought that would be a fun one. Just make sure we make sure we mentioned him. Gammit. I wish people As could Fisher see your Barry, face. <laughs> the longtime Air Force football coach would always say, Dag, Dag Gammit. Yeah, that was his thing. Yep. There oh, it is. There it is. I'm sorry. I couldn't I couldn't resist. But I tell you what, let's let's uh let's pivot. Let's go ahead and pivot a little bit. We'll go in a slightly different direction because this is kind of an important part of all this. When we're talking about the excitement around this offense, and we're talking about the the potential of this Denver Broncos team to be pretty good this year. We as as a fan base, I think, are are pretty high on their ceiling. We we believe that they have a pretty high ceiling and they could go pretty far. But there are there are a plethora of people out there who make their living on uh, looking at teams and talking about over unders and and you know betting and whatnot. I'm not a big gambler, uh, but it is something that's sort of popped up recently. And you actually uh, mentioned something to me, and I'll, I'll kind of let you take the reins on it. But you mentioned something that was really interesting to me from one of the the sports book guys that you talked to uh, from your from your your day job, if we call it your day job, uh, and how how they look at uh, handicapping a team and what they really pay attention to when they talk about things like an over-under on wins and stuff like that. So I wrote a story for Play Colorado, and the headline is, Why Aren't Sportsbooks Sold on Drew Locke and the Broncos? So what I did is I had the opportunity to interview Johnny Avello, who's the DraftKings Sportsbook Director of Operations. He's been a bookie for 40 years, give or take. So he knows his stuff. I asked him, why are the Broncos at over under seven and a half wins? And this is what he said when he's putting futures odds together, which is what it is. When you're doing over under win projections, that's a futures bet because you're looking into the future and predicting what will this team do. He said, it's all about the quarterback. He said, my first thought is usually, How much experience does he have, and can he perform in the NFL? That's the first thing I look at. And the Broncos really ended the season well last year, so to me, that makes a difference on where I think they're going to go this year. 
They did pretty good in the draft, but sometimes those new players make an impact and sometimes they don't. Locke, to me, he's the guy that's going to make it happen or it's not going to happen. So I asked him, are you sold on Drew Locke or do you need to see more? He said, I want to see a little more personally. That's why we're at seven and a half wins. If he gave a yearly performance this year where he looked like he's comfortable, it's his spot, he reads defenses better, and the Broncos end up with eight, nine wins, then that's what you'll see. Next year, you'll see the Broncos at nine wins. But that's the reason it's seven and a half. The way he ended, will he start? Will he continue to have the type of pattern through the season? I will add before you get on it, he did seem to give a little bit of a hint that if you're going to bet on the Broncos, you should maybe go toward the over. Okay. That's an interesting it's an interesting tidbit. And and I think it's fascinating to me that when you look at this team, your excitement about everything, your excitement about the offense and the, about the defense and and all of the sort of the things that go around it really does hinge on like you said, Drew Locke. Is Drew Locke going to be able to uh, take over this team like we believe he can. Now, the reports from from training camp and reports from the players that are there are always glowing, right? He's always uh, looked at as he's you know he carries himself well. He is obviously uh, the leader of this team. He he does his talking on the field. He knows you know he's like it's one of those things where there are guys on the team that are clearly excited about who he is and what he can bring to the table, and that's fine. If I'm sitting there looking at this team from afar. I probably am looking at the Denver Broncos and thinking second year quarterback with only five games under his belt, really young offense. That's been terrible. A new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, this, there's, there's a lot of negatives there that start to add up. And so you're probably going to take the under because you are not confident in what drew lock can do. But if you look at this team and you see all the potential and you want to take the upside with it, then you're probably going to bet the over on that. Now, again, I'm not, I don't, bet on sports. I'm not a gambler. I'm not, I'm probably not very good at it. So I'm not giving advice here because nobody wants my advice. But what I will say is your determination about how you think this team is going to do hinges on how you think Drew Locke is going to do. Whether you're betting over-unders or you're just looking at the team and saying, can they make the playoffs or are they not going to make the playoffs? Or you know, can they make a deep run or can they not make a deep run? If you believe Drew Locke is the guy, if you believe that he's proven enough that he can take over this team and lead them to some wins, then you believe that the Denver Broncos are going to be good in 2020. If you don't, then you don't. And I'm not a QB wins guy. I'm not a guy that thinks that teams only win because of their quarterback. But I will tell you that I do believe that the quarterback matters more than any other player on the field. That is that is just the truth. You look at the best teams in NFL history, they almost always have really good quarterback play. And so what you need from Drew Locke is really good quarterback play. And what we saw in you know five games in 2020 was pretty good. Right here, I'm going to temper my excitement again. It was pretty good. Did some good things. You know, four and one isn't bad. Would they have gone four? And, I, I guess the question I ask now is, would they have gone four and one with, was it Kyle Allen? Which Allen did they have? I can't even remember. That's how. That's Brandon how, Allen. Thank you, Brandon. I couldn't remember. Would they, have, would they have gone four and one with Brandon Allen down the stretch? Would Joe Flacco have led them to four and one? Would Case Keenum have led them to four and one down the stretch? You know, how far back do you want me to go? I think that Drew Locke was the guy who was going to energize that team, 
who was going to get people to play for him. And that's the other key here. And we talked about this with Von Miller a couple weeks ago. The defense wants to play for him. The offense wants to play for him too. The defense wants to be good for him. The offense wants to be, I mean, he clearly has something about him that has grabbed the locker room's attention and he's the, he's the leader on offense. I love that. That gives me confidence. That gives me confidence in his ability, but it also gives me confidence in the fact that this team is going to rally around him and they're going to support him. You didn't have that last season with Joe Flacco. You didn't have that with Brandon Allen. You do have that, I believe, with Drew Locke. So if you're betting, if I'm, if I were to bet, and I'm not gonna, because I suck at betting, and I always feel like I'm jinxing my team, I'd probably take the over. But I'm a fan too, so take that with a grain of salt. To bring this back to what we talked about with the draft and overthinking it, I think you're seeing that with bookies. Don't overthink it. So that's what Johnny Avello has done for 40 years, and it's made him very, very successful, is don't overthink it. More often than not, if you have a quarterback, you're going to be successful. And that's that's certainly the case. What's interesting is when we talked about the AFC West, this is what he said. I've been putting odds on football for many years. The Chiefs last year, if you want to look back at that final game, it's very possible they could have lost that game. A lot of games. Almost all of those playoff games, they were down. I just think they had the magic last year. Will they have it this year? I don't know. We'll see. There's going to be a lot of teams competing with the Chiefs. The Ravens, certainly. The 49ers, most likely the Cowboys and Saints in their own division. I could see the Broncos and Chargers certainly giving them a run also. I don't think it's going to be easy for Kansas City. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, that. that's certainly – I don't really like – when the Broncos are mentioned in the same breath as the Chargers, because is it Chargers season? Is it have we arrived at Chargers season again? I don't know how it could even be Chargers season. Who's their quarterback? They're going to be terrible. What's interesting is Johnny told me that he thought that Philip Rivers was one of the reasons that they were that they didn't reach the potential that everyone thought that they could eventually come to, which is wow. Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler would love to hear that. That would be a a, a thing that Jay Cutler would grab onto and be like, yeah. As he put out his cigarette, <laughs> he doesn't With his actually bare smoke. Ass showing everybody, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't actually smoke. I'm pretty sure, but smoking Jay Cutler is still just a hilarious website. You gotta check it out. It's just it, it, we've we've said this before after the draft when they got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. It's just nice to have some positive talk about the Broncos to actually not have some fool's gold with Joe Flacco and Case Keenum, you can actually get excited about this team. And that doesn't mean that Drew Locke is going to be Patrick Mahomes. The hope is that he's not going to be Elvis Gerback or Steve Bono. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos! I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.